So earlier today, I'm at Odessa CrossFit with my gorgeous wife and several others, and we tackled the workout known as Murph. Have you ever done Murph? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have no clue. Murph, or Murphy, is a workout in honor of Lieutenant Michael Murphy. He's killed in Afghanistan. Murph, the workout is named in his honor. So what this workout is, it starts off with a mile run. If you're like me, it's more of a wog, a walk jog. So a mile wog, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, followed by another mile run slash wog. And man, that workout hurts worse. I feel like it hurts worse every time. And every year, it catches me off guard how painful it is, which you would think if every year I had that epiphany, I would be mentally and physically prepared for it, which I'm not. It's like, I guess it's like when you get hit in the nuts. When a dude gets hit in the nuts the right way, okay, if there is a right way for a dude to get hit in the nuts, that way, when a dude gets hit in the nuts that way, it's a near-death experience. His life flashes before his eyes. It's like in Armageddon when Bruce Willis, he's like, I love you, baby. And he presses the little, the little dinger to make the atomic blow up the asteroid or whatever. And his life flashes before his eyes with his family. That's what happens when a dude gets kicked in the nuts. And that's what happens every gosh dang year when I try to do Murph. Except it's not a single punch And then the pain kind of dwells and it goes away. It's pain, as of today, it was pain for 61 minutes and 59 seconds. It's so bad. But we do that workout on Memorial Day as a gym. We do that, and prior to the workout, Coach Megan Coy, she briefed us all like she does every year. She talked about the importance of us stopping to recognize the meaning of Memorial Day, our privilege of getting to do the Murph workout and the freedoms that we have, which made me think a little bit about what I'm going to call default to freedom. to delineate what it means to transition from juvenile thinking and behavior to genuine maturity. You've heard me talk about default to good before, and that referenced, well, if you've listened to my podcast before, you've listened to me talk about default to good, which talks about how we, at our core, in everything that we need to do, we need to default to good, default to optimism, default to forgiveness, default to grace, patience, etc., When I think about the massacre in Uvalde, Texas, and the collateral 
not only damage, but the collateral chaos, not just within the hearts and minds of those involved, not just within that community, but even within the nation, as we re-spark this inevitable debate of gun ownership, I think about how committed I am to this idea of default to freedom. And what that is in my own world is anytime we have a debate, an argument about rights, privileges, what a person can and can't do, what a person can and cannot access, I ask myself this question. Does that particular freedom infringe on the life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness of another individual? If it does, then I think we need to take a very careful consideration on removing that particular freedom. For example, a person can practice any religion they want in my eyes as long as it doesn't infringe on the life, liberty, and or pursuit of happiness of another person or people. Gay marriage, do what you got to do. Doesn't bother me or anyone else. Abortion's kind of tricky because abortion obviously does infringe on the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of an unborn child, but it also, in theory from certain perspectives, infringes on possibly the pursuit of happiness of the mother. And so on each of those examples, I would say we need to consider default to freedom. Let people decide what they want to do. The Uvalde massacre, as you know, in my opinion, is the epitome of evil unleashed. A friend called me soon after, a fellow Texan. I would say outside of my wife and my two children, he is very much my best friend. West is his name. You talk about different. We are polar opposites in so many ways, but we're alike in many others. He called me and he said, you know, at this point, if someone told me we needed to give up our rights to own assault rifles, I would probably be okay with it. I was against it. I still am. And I didn't argue with him, but I did casually debate him, bringing up this idea of default to freedom. Meaning that, in this particular situation, I think that any sane, competent person should have the right to own whatever weapon they want. Heck, I don't care. Give them grenade launchers and tanks. I don't care. If they're sane and competent, why not? This particular person in Uvalde was not sane, which is why I think it's okay for us to consider a more strict vetting process. Which brings me to something called pairing. If you're a Malcolm Gladwell fan, you've heard this idea of pairing. It's when intention meets opportunity. For example, when they were considering all these suicides off of the Golden Gate Bridge, the community wanted to put 
a net, a suicide deterrent net on the bridge. The people involved in that process were torn about whether or not they should put the net. Those opposed to it made the argument that any person who wants to commit suicide will find a way to do it. But one thing we know now is that when a person who is suicidal meets a relatively easy opportunity to commit suicide, the likelihood of them following through with it drastically increases. Which is why once they put up the net, there were fewer suicide attempts at the Golden Gate Bridge. A malicious intent paired with easy acquisition can lead to disaster. Uvalde is a perfect example of that. This psychotic, evil-ridden human being was able to legally and relatively easily purchase weapons. And that's why I'm okay with distancing this pairing phenomenon a stricter filtering process. I'm okay with it. On the flip side, to my anti-gun people, if you really want to prevent shootings, you know what, this isn't to anti-gun people, this is to all people. If you really want to prevent shootings, stop screaming at people through social media and go strike up a friendly conversation with the person you know is struggling with depression. Go be a friend to that one person that you know doesn't have any friends. I personally believe that the power to stop evil in this world lies less in what laws do or do not exist, but more in what exists within each person and whether or not they are willing to act on what is within them. Stop spewing hate toward people who responsibly own firearms. I own 20-something guns. I have shot zero people. Zero with those guns. I've got one, two, I don't know. Maybe half of them are semi-automatics. I've got three ARs. Yeah, I've shot zero people. But I believe that this Uvalde incident certainly justifies a review of beliefs. <laughs> My friend uses scenarios like that all the time <laughs> to justify why a loving God doesn't exist. Or that's his belief anyway. I think this justifies a reassessing of our gun laws. I'm not saying we should change them. Just reassess. We should reassess school protective strategies, how they are or are not guarded and armed. And inevitably, scenarios like this cause people to review their belief in God
the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I also believe that changing your mind is good. I believe that a refusal to change one's mind is like driving down the highway refusing to open your eyes. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to end up in the bar ditch. And sure, you can get back on that same highway. But until you open your eyes and at least listen, you're going to struggle. Inevitably. And it's situations like this that make me willing to listen. Make me want to open my eyes as I drive down this highway of life. I'm always willing to listen to enlightened perspectives, experienced slash different perspectives. Technically, every perspective is a different one than yours. Open to new ways of thinking. And of course, mind-changing arguments. And I think that's what the crux of the issue is. The evil that is in this world, it can be countered. But I don't think it's with guns. I don't think it's without guns. I don't think it has anything to do with guns. Guns are tools wielded by human beings. It is what is within that human being. I think it stems down to whether or not a person is willing to listen, to have a spirit of fervent willingness to hear, appreciate, and dare I say befriend someone who is different from us. 1963, a man I've quoted before, and he's worth quoting many times over in my opinion, Martin Luther King Jr. said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I'm Noah Dean. Thanks for listening.